life requires the life and power of God to overcome and walk out the plan of God for our lives. Today, Jimmy Evans shares a powerful message called The Power Connection. This message is part of his Essential Foundations series. And in this message, he will help us to not only understand and receive, but walk out the power of God today and every day. We're reading from Hebrews 6, this very important text Uh, where the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. In this we will do if God permits. So these are the foundations that I've said there are six. There are actually seven, and I'll explain that here in just a minute. But there are foundations of our faith, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, now, when, when you become a Christian and you're laying the basic foundations of your faith, this is where you begin. And you can go on to maturity once these foundations are laid. If these foundations aren't laid, God will not permit you to go on to maturity because you don't have the basic foundations. Foundations create safety. They protect us against stress. They allow God to build the superstructure of our lives upon a solid substructure. And I've talked about those things the last couple of weeks. So these are essential foundations. And I want to talk about another one today. And going back there, when it talks about the doctrine of baptisms, okay? So when I I talk about there are six foundations of the faith, actually, the doctrine of baptisms is plural. And I talked last message about baptism in water, the importance, the covenant seal of the new covenant being baptism in water. But there's another baptism. It's called baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is an absolutely essential foundation of our faith in God. And we cannot move forward in spiritual maturity without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, as I talk about this, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never never even heard about it before. Some of you are, but I want you to listen to this message because you may hear some things that you haven't thought about before and just talking about the importance of our dependence on the Holy Spirit. So where does baptism in the Holy Spirit come from? Well, it's many places in the New Testament. But let's begin with Acts 1 and verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait from the, uh, for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we're not prepared to be witnesses for Jesus until we've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. These were saved disciples that Jesus was talking to. And he told these saved disciples, don't go out and begin to try to be witnesses to me until you have first received power when you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit about 45 years ago, and I'll tell you my story here in just a little bit. When Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, let me be more specific. In John 16, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all truth, and he will tell you things to come. He will prophetically show you certain things about the future. Mental power. 
When you don't operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you only have human power. You don't have supernatural power with your mind. But when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have supernatural power, physical power. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says, If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body. He will give you Zoe life to your mortal body. Physical power. He, he induces us with physical power. Emotional power. Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He gives us the supernatural emotional power of God to live our lives above the, the natural state that we would live in without him. And by the way, joy. Think about the discouragement, the depression, much of what's happening in the world today. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Peace, peace. Look, look, the world needs peace today. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so as human beings, we do not have those things unless they are imparted to us from God. Spiritual power. Jesus said, you'll receive power. That's dunamis. It means spiritual power, endowment from God to know God and to do the works of God. And so we cannot serve God without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let me talk about four important truths about the Holy Spirit in our lives. Basic foundations. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Over half of Christians believe that the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force, but he's not God. And that's just as wrong as it can be. This is Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit shows up in Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God. Remember, this is in uh, Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is being baptized by John in the Jordan River. Okay, He's being baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descends on him as a dove. And God the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay, So there you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Three in one, Trinity, God, all there together in one scene. And then in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of the nations. Then in verse 19, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. We have to remember when we're praying for the Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. This is the Spirit of God, and He is God. Number two, we are born of the Spirit at the moment of salvation. Now, some people say, well, Jimmy, doesn't everyone who's saved have the Holy Spirit? Yeah, but they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit necessarily. Let me show you the Scripture. This is John 3. This is Jesus. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I remember the day that I received Christ as Lord of my life when I was 19 years old. And I said, Jesus, uh, come into my life. I'll serve you for the rest of my life, and I'll never turn back. And when that happened, my spirit was regenerated. We're all born dead in our spirits because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We all have spiritual death that we are inherited from Adam and Eve. Okay, So when we ask Jesus to come into our hearts, we're born again. Our spirit is revived. Okay, That is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is salvation. This is number three truth. 
Uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a separate and subsequent experience to salvation. These are two separate events, salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes, like on the day of Pentecost, and I'll read you another example, there are cases where people are born again, baptized in the Spirit, and then water baptized. But typically, you're born again, water baptized, and baptized in the Spirit. Okay, salvation is about Jesus and eternity. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is about living our lives in this world for Jesus. You can be saved and on your way to heaven and powerless to live for Jesus if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you scriptural examples of this. In the beginnings, it begins on the day of Pentecost. Saved disciples were commanded by Jesus to stay in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Then they could be his witnesses. Another example in the New Testament here, these are the Sumerians. This is Acts chapter 8. Listen, listen to this text now about these saved people who have not heard about the Holy Spirit, Acts 8. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. They were water baptized. And was amazed seeing miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had yet fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now there are people in the scriptures uh, who received the Holy Spirit without hands being laid on them. But in many cases, hands were laid on them. It goes back to the the scripture that I talked about last week. But these were saved disciples who were water baptized and not baptized in the Spirit. This is Acts chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you were baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him uh, who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, water baptism. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And so here you have a group of people. See, I received Jesus at 19. I had never heard the words Holy Spirit in my entire life. And when I got saved and started going to church, I never heard the words Holy Spirit. I never heard if there was a Holy Spirit or not. And then I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want us to have to wait years or even months until we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It should be an experience that happens right around the time that we're saved and are baptized. But this gives you an example here. The Apostle Paul evidently has seen a lot of people who had received Christ but were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the first questions he asked. If you guys received the Holy Spirit, they said, who's that? We haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. Many people are like that. The pattern of the feasts of Israel. The feasts of Israel, God gave Israel seven feasts to celebrate three times of the year. One set was in the spring, early in the spring, and then the Feast of Pentecost was later in the spring, and then another was in the fall. Listen, so the first three feasts of Israel were Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Jesus died on Passover. He was buried on unleavened bread, and he was resurrected on first fruits. Those are called the salvation feast. Fifty days after 
the feast of first fruits was Pentecost, a completely separate feast. Fifty to the Jews means jubilee. It means fullness. You get all your inheritance back. All your debt is remitted in the 50th year, the year of jubilee. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell in a subsequent experience, fell upon the disciples, and the church was born on the day of Pentecost. In the next three, that's called the impartation feast. The next three feasts that happen in the fall, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles, those are the glorification feasts. Okay, So there, there are different sets of feasts, but those feasts show us a prophetic grid of God and how God operates. And so I'm saying in all of that simply to say, that when you are bat, when you're saved, yes, your spirit is regenerated and you're born of the spirit. No, you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit necessarily. Okay, so here's my fourth statement about the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to fulfill God's will for our lives without the fullness of the Holy Spirit within us. It's, it's impossible. You, you simply can't do it. Okay, so in Matthew chapter three, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Son of God was in the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and everything he did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus could only do what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit? The saved disciples, once again, were commanded, don't leave until you've received the promise of the Father. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you my story. Well, first of all, I grew up in a church uh, from the time I was uh, young till I was 13. I never heard the name of Jesus. For the entire, I had to go to church every Sunday. Now, my parents sent me to church every Sunday. So I'd go to church every Sunday, and uh, the church was called St. Paul. Um, I never heard the name of Jesus until I went at 13 to another friend's church of mine, and I heard the name of Jesus for the first time, and I was absolutely fascinated. It's just the concept of this man who gave his life for me and all of these things. It, it really, it baffled me, but it, it fascinated me at the same time. But I had never heard the name of Jesus. Then I got saved at 19, and I felt trapped. And I was, that may surprise you. Now, I was not going to go back into the world. Sin was not attractive to me at all at that point in my life. I, I had sinned a lot. And the, the world had no lure. I had experienced all that nonsense, all the broken promises and heartbreak of that. But I felt trapped in Christianity because here's the way I felt. I'm not going to go back, but I feel powerless to live for Jesus. Every day I woke up hoping to do these things and hoping not to do these things. Every day I didn't do this and I did this. Every single day I went to bed feeling defeated. And one day I was reading my Bible and I read about the power of the Holy Spirit, the Jesus promise about the Holy Spirit. I had never heard the words Holy Spirit before. I, I mean, I didn't know who he was. And then I watched a preacher on TV preaching one day about the Holy Spirit, and he did a wonderful job of just explaining what I'm explaining to you right now. You can't live without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I made the mistake of going to church and asking one of the teachers. Karen and I had a couple Sunday school class, and I went to class. Our church was very denominational, very anti-Holy Spirit. I made the mistake in class of asking to, if they would explain to me the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Well, I didn't do it again. I can tell you right now. It was a, it was an awkward moment. And I mean, the teacher turned purple, never answered my question. I didn't know what I had done. I, I just thought, I don't know what I said wrong, but I said something really wrong. Well, in that class, there was a couple who were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And after the class, they came up to us and said, we're spirit filled. 
and uh, let us help you to to understand this. So they took us to some places where they were talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, I, I had a pro- I couldn't understand the Bible. The Bible was a completely closed book to me. Had a hard time praying, hard time saying no to sin. Just everything of the Christian life to me was like dragging a rock uphill. It was the hardest thing in the world to do, and I just thought I've got to do this for the rest of my life. I'm saved. I want to live for God. I don't want to go back and do all that stuff, but I don't know how in the world I'm going to live this life this way. So I went to a meeting, a full gospel businessmen's fellowship meeting. Dima Shakarian was the head of that ministry at that time. This was probably around 1973 or four. Uh, we went to this full gospel businessmen's meeting and there was a, a pastor there that night who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he was telling about his experience and he prayed for me. He prayed, he prayed for Karen and me. Uh, and many others that were there. And then I went home. He laid his hands on me and prayed for me. And then I went home that night. And I was desperate. I mean, I really felt the desperation in my life because I just felt so powerless. And so I went home and um, uh, Karen and I, uh, Karen went to bed and I stayed in the living room. And I got down on my knees and I said to the Lord, and I remember these words very, very uh, clearly. I said, Lord, I, I don't just want what you have. I want you, but I want the Holy Spirit to give me the power to live for you because I didn't want the Lord to think, I just want what's in your pocket. I wanted what was in his heart. I wanted to know him and I wanted to serve him. At that moment, it was like someone took a big barrel of hot oil and poured it over the top of my head. I mean, I felt heat from the top of my head down to my toes and I saw Jesus. This was the first time I'd ever seen the Lord. And I saw Jesus hanging on the cross in, in my spirit. And I mean, very clearly, at the moment I felt this heat, I, I could see Jesus on the cross, and he looked at me, and his, his eyes pierced me. He didn't say, he, he said, he told me he loved me. But here's what I knew. I put him there. I knew that my sins had put Jesus there, and I knew that he loved me beyond any love I had ever experienced before in my life. And I mean, it was just this transforming experience I was having. And then I started speaking in tongues. Now, it, today I've been speaking in tongues for 45 years. I spoke in tongues in the car on the way over here. And so, but it was caveman talk. Uh, and by the way, I had such a perverse mouth up until the time I got saved. I'm telling you, I had the worst mouth of anyone you could imagine. But it was like caveman talk. It was ugh and arg and just these. But I felt something down here trying to come out here. Okay. And so I went to bed that night and I just laid in bed and it was just this incredible power and love and peace. I'd never, ever, ever experienced anything like it. Well, then the next morning I got up and I woke up and I told Karen what had happened to me. And I was so excited about it. And she received the baptism right after that. Listen, I never understood a word of this book. I mean, I, I could not understand the Bible. But I, I was trying to read it because someone told me I should. And I woke up every morning and I read it, boring, slept, my mind wandered. And I was just thinking, who in the world wrote this thing? You know, they need writing lessons or something because this stuff's hard to understand. Oh, no. The morning after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I opened the Bible and I started reading the New Testament. And I thought, how do I know all them? I know Peter. I know John. I know all these people. And I understand everything. For the first time, when the author is inside of you, 
giving you the ability to understand what he wrote, it changes everything. And now I had the Holy Spirit inside of me, and what was a closed book to me was now an open book that I began to understand, and I I got so excited about reading it. And here's the other thing. So remember I said I had a list of things every day. I don't want to do these things, but I want to do these things. And every day I did the things I didn't want to do, and I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Oh, no, that all changed. I wasn't perfect by any means. I had supernatural power to begin to live my life for God, and I no longer felt trapped. I felt so incredibly excited about living the rest of my life for Jesus. Listen to me. That was in May of, let me say, 1974, around then. Now, I'm standing here in the summer of the year 2020, and it's as real to me today as it was 45 years ago. Every day of my life has been transformed by the Holy Spirit's power. Everything has been transformed. That's when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is, And that's the testimony of millions of people. That's just not my testimony. That's the testimony of millions of people. So let me tell you how to receive the Holy Spirit. Let's go through here. And I want to answer some questions about the Holy Spirit. The first is purity. If You don't have to be perfect to receive the Holy Spirit by any means. But, you know, if you have unforgiveness to somebody... If you, you know, you're, you're into some kind of a lifestyle of sin, sin or something, repent of it. Just turn, turn away from that. Number two is humility. And I need you. The, the, the words the Holy Spirit loves are, I need you, Holy Spirit. And then you're, you're never going to receive the Holy Spirit and you're never going to walk in the Holy Spirit if you think you can do life on your own. That kind of pride blocks the Spirit of God from operating in our lives. Holy Spirit, I need you in my mind. I need you in my body. I need you in my emotions. I need you in my relationships. I need you in my spirit. I need you. He loves that prayer, and he answers it every time. Number three, faith in God's grace. This is Galatians 3. Listen to the words of Paul here in the book of Galatians, specifically written now about the law versus faith concerning the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. In the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Listen, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What Paul is saying here is people of the law can't receive the Holy Spirit. Abraham was not of the law. He was before the law. And it was by faith that he became righteous. And it says the blessings of Abraham, the the bloodline blessing of Abraham that Jesus came to graft us back into that comes through the Holy Spirit is only available through faith. See, the devil's favorite trick is to convince you that you're not good enough for the Holy Spirit. Can I can I just give you a little little secret here? You're not good enough for the Holy Spirit. I'm not good enough for the Holy Spirit. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags, and the only way that we can receive the Holy Spirit is by faith. Just the way you receive Jesus. We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve salvation. 
But Jesus died for us that we don't have to deserve it. That now through his blood, all of our sins have been paid for, and God does not relate to us based on our merit or based on the law. God relates to us through grace, and somebody needs to say amen. That's really, really good news. So right now, don't let don't let the devil condemn you and put you down and say, well, you better get better before you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your lives. Listen, we can only get better if he comes into our lives. And so, yeah, we need to be repentant, deal with sin issues in our lives and all of that and be humble. But by faith, say, Holy Spirit, I believe in you. Number four, ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is John chapter one. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now listen, there's no one who loves you more than Jesus. He's your absolute best friend, and he wants you to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So Jesus, would you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? We're going to pray uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, but let me say one other thing, and that is be sensitive to the presence of the Holy Spirit and to his promptings to speak in tongues. And so the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I'm going to talk about this for quite a bit. This is Acts chapter 10. Okay, these are the first Gentile converts. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, How can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit? just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. And so this is kind of an opposite order here. And that is, these are the first Gentiles to get saved. Peter comes in, the Holy Spirit falls. They all begin to speak in tongues, which is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they're baptized with water. Okay, so these are essential foundations. You see them all through the New Testament. Okay, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. And so here's a question, and that is, do I have to speak in tongues to be Holy Spirit baptized? Well, let, let me say no, but let me say it in, in this context. I know people who speak in tongues that are not good people. I mean, they're weird. Uh, some of them are, they just act crazy. They do all kinds of crazy stuff and blame it on the Holy Spirit. And they do not have the fruits of the Spirit in their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me say this. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life who did me a lot of damage called themselves spirit-filled and spoke in tongues. So you cannot say that just because a person speaks with tongues, they're necessarily, you know, a, a godly person. Let me say this. I know people who don't speak in tongues, who attribute all of the, or exude all of the fruits of the Spirit. They don't go around bragging about speaking in tongues. They don't go around bragging about how spiritual they are, loving joyful, peaceful, patient, good, wonderful people who actually exude the fruits of the Spirit and don't go around bragging about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, having said that, I want to say, by the way, there are three kinds of speaking in tongues that you need to understand. Because if you don't understand this, you might get confused when the issue of tongues comes up. The first kind of speaking in tongues is called the miracle of languages that happened on the day of Pentecost. 
All the disciples were speaking in tongues, but everyone around them heard them in their own language. All people from all the nations of the world were there on the day of Pentecost surrounding them, and they all heard them in their own language. I've heard of that happening on the mission field. I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. But I've heard of people on the mission field speaking in tongues and people here in, in their other native language. Okay. There's also tongues and interpretations of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that equals a prophecy. It's like a prophetic word, but it begins with a tongue, and then there is an interpretation. Okay, I have experienced that. I've had both tongues and interpretations throughout my Christian life that, that were miraculous, that God was speaking, and, and, and what was spoken was fulfilled. The major uh, area of speaking in tongues is a private prayer language. This is the third type of speaking in tongues. And I want to read you some scriptures about that. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. Okay, so it's such a huge blessing. If you fear speaking in tongues, you don't understand it. And I hope I can explain it to you right now. Uh, so some people fear losing control. Some some people, because of nutty people that they've seen, they think, well, if the Holy Spirit comes in my life, you know, I'm going to start doing all kinds of crazy stuff that I can't help. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You are more in control when you're under the power of the Holy Spirit than you ever have been in your entire life. Listen to scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 14. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the church of the saints. Then Paul goes on to say, let everything be decently in order. See, there, there are people, and I, you know, came up in the church during the charismatic movement. I don't want to, you know, tell you all the stories that I could tell you. I could tell you stories for hours upon hours of the crazy stuff, unbiblical stuff that I have seen Christians do in the name of God and in the name of the Holy Spirit that were just a total embarrassment that all they brought was hurt and confusion. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What does that mean? That means I can't do crazy stuff and blame it on the Holy Spirit because self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Being out of control is happens when I'm not under the power of the Holy Spirit. So never fear when you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that he's going to cause you to do something that you don't want to do. You're totally, it's your will that he operates through, and he's not going to force you to do something that you don't want to do. I'm, I'm going to make this statement now because in the last message, I made this statement. I want to make another statement now. In my last message talking about the baptism in water, I said I've never seen a person Live a great Christian life who wasn't baptized in water. Because if you won't do the first thing that God tells you to do, it's very doubtful you're going to do much else. Okay, I want to make another statement. I've never seen a person operate powerfully in the Spirit who wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues. It's a threshold gift. Water baptism is threshold. This is the threshold of obedience. You're stepping into your new life in God, and there's a threshold that you're stepping over. It's called water baptism, your first act of obedience. In the Holy Spirit, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I felt something coming up. And my point here is when you're being baptized in the Holy Spirit, be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak through you. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. If God doesn't have your mouth, it doesn't matter what else he has. This is the most powerful part of your body. Proverbs 18 says the power of life and death is in the tongue, and he who loves it will eat its fruit. See, will you surrender your tongue to, to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And if God gets your tongue, when I, uh, like I said, I was very vulgar, uh, before I got saved. And when I got saved, the first thing that God went after was my tongue. 
when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and when I surrendered my tongue for him, I could never be doing what I do right now if I would not have surrendered my tongue to the Holy Spirit. And so he wants your tongue, okay? And tongues is how that begins. It's a threshold gift. Do you want to operate powerfully in the Holy Spirit? Well, you can't understand everything. You can't intellectualize everything. There are certain things that we can understand. The rest we follow by faith and let the Holy Spirit operate through us. And so let me ask this question. Why do I have to pray in tongues? Well, the first is you don't know how to pray, and neither do I. Listen to Scripture, Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. For the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which we can be uttered. Well, I woke up this morning and prayed. I'm sure you did too. And when I was praying, I could only pray what I knew to pray. And I did. I know I knew some things that were going to happen today. And so I, I prayed for what I knew. But what if my brother's having a heart attack and I don't know it? What if one of my grandchildren's in trouble and I don't know it? What if something is happening in my family or in someone that I care about and I don't know it? The Holy Spirit knows everything. See, if you only pray with your understanding, you are extremely limited in your ability to pray. Because you can only pray for what you know, and you don't know much and I don't know much. Praying with your understanding is important. But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So when I'm praying in tongues, when you're praying in tongues, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He who, this is Paul. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You're praying directly to God. Someone said one time, praying in tongues, this is the language the devil can't understand. It's directly between you and God. First Corinthians 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with understanding. So the first reason that we pray in tongues is because we're very limited without the Holy Spirit. The second is intimacy with God. First Corinthians 14 says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And I can tell you this because I've spoken in tongues for all these years. It just blesses you. You can't understand it. It just every time I speak in tongues. In fact, sometimes when I feel stress or sometimes when I just feel like I'm, I'm just confounded about something, I just speak in tongues. I pray in tongues, I sing in tongues, and what happens is I sense the presence of God, I sense the peace of God, and what I know is I, because I'm praying in tongues, I'm surrendering my tongue to the Holy Spirit, and I'm allowing him to pray for something beyond my ability to pray for. Sometimes it's me that's being prayed for. Sometimes it's Karen. Sometimes it's my kids and grandkids. Sometimes it's somebody else. But I'm not going to limit my prayer life by only praying for that which I understand. The, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time event, but Ephesians 5 tells us to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like drinking water. We need to stay hydrated, especially in hard times. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives, not as a one-time battery installed within us that's just this impersonal power source, but daily we drink of the Spirit and keep being filled that He hydrates us, especially during difficult times, that we stay spiritually hydrated. And He's not just this impersonal force. He is our dear friend that we're constantly dependent upon. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily experience that we constantly depend upon Him. I'm saying to you, you cannot fulfill God's will for your life without the Holy Spirit in your life. You, you need The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need Him. I need Him. If you're ready to receive him, by the way, 
You can ask a leader to pray with you. Sometimes in the Bible, you know, if you're having a hard time receiving, ask somebody who's already spirit-filled. Ask them to lay their hands on you and pray for you. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we come to you and we say, we want your Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize us in your spirit. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and we say we need you. We need you in our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our emotions. We desperately need you. And we pray that you would fill us with power from on high, that you would give us the power to live for Jesus victoriously, to overcome our sins and to live for God and to do the works of God. And we pray right now, fill us from the top of our head to the tip of our toes. We give you permission over our tongues. We submit our tongues to you. And we pray that you'll give us a prayer language that we can pray beyond our understanding and pray directly to God. But Lord, I pray. For everyone watching, listening right now, fill them, fill all of us. And even those who have already been filled before, maybe they're feeling dry. Fill us again with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. What an amazing message from Pastor Jimmy about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, an essential foundation for living the Christian life. But the first foundation is giving your life to the Lord. And so if you're here and you've never made that decision to give your life to the Lord, we would love to pray with you right now. So wherever you are, if you need to make that decision, will you close your eyes and say this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, wherever you are, say, Jesus, I submit my life to you. I ask that you forgive me of my sins and I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord if you had not already received him. But if you had and you had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we hope you will prayerfully consider it. If you would like someone to pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we here at New Life Radio would be honored to do so. Send us an email with your contact information and the best time to reach you, and we'll set a time to pray together and answer any further questions you might have. We need that power connection, and it's God's will to help us through the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to give us that heavenly prayer language, to pray out the perfect will of God for our lives and the life of others. We look forward to hearing from you soon.